You're about to hear a podcast recorded before our rebrand, so you might hear us mention our previous brand name, We Are Radical, or our original podcast name, The Radicalist. We're still the same show with the same hosts on the same mission. And if you'd like to find out how we got here, you'll find our journey on the stories page of obuinvest.com. Hello and welcome to the Radicalist podcast, where we have frank conversations with fierce women founders. This is a podcast about not settling, full of honest conversations with women who have wanted to build their own businesses and did. If you're making the tough but incredible decision to start up, sustain or scale your own business, we've got you. Because we're a podcast by, for and about women who do exactly that. Women looking that leap in the eye, women taking their first steps as founders, Women with stories about the journeys they've been on, the hacks that have helped, and everything they've seen along the way. Women like us, and women like you. We're Sarah King. And Claire Dunn. And we're the founders of We Are Radical. And this is The Radicalist Podcast. In this launch episode, we're doing things a bit differently. We're being interviewed by Gemma Greaves, co-founder of Nurture and founder of Cabal. As you'll hear in this episode, Gemma is insatiably curious and has a wonderful energy for life, which is why we thought she'd be a great person to get under the skin of our story. So why not grab a notebook and a cuppa and sit back and listen to episode one now. It's such an honour to be hosting your first ever podcast, The Radicalist. My name's Gemma Greaves and I have the absolute pleasure to be talking to Claire and Sarah, the founders of We Are Radical, two amazing human beings, and you're just going to hear so much about them in a second. But honestly, when I first met you guys, I knew you were going to make a marvellous dent in the world. Seriously. Oh, thanks, Gemma. That's so nice. (laughs) I'm still kind of like reeling from the fact that this is our first podcast. I can't believe we're here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. But first, I'm really curious... How did you guys get together? Like, how did you start this thing? Like, you've got quite different backgrounds, haven't you? So tell us your, you know, the beginning of your journey. So we first met about two and a half years ago. We only live about half a mile apart. We have both worked in corporate financial services backgrounds. We both know a lot of the same people, and yet we had never come across each other. Then somebody suggested that we should get together because we would have stuff in common and we would get on. So via a couple of LinkedIn messages, we met for a coffee outside our local Cafe Nero, and literally, I think within minutes, had (laughs) decided we had found a kindred spirit in each other, and then spent the next 60 minutes putting the world to rights about all things entrepreneurship. Then within about eight weeks, we decided to co-found We Are Radical, which when we now describe it, complete strangers co-founding a business within eight weeks is utterly nuts right but sort of reflective of how we actually now do things if if there's a short time frame then we're your women right right (laughs) don't I know that I love that that just sounds so serendipitous it's just brilliant so in that it was eight weeks what made you decide to start a business together I think it and I guess this has probably been the sort of unifying factor since we began we just had this shared passion for 
disrupting the world of entrepreneurship and investment. And that sounds like really lofty from really early on, but we talked about our experience of leaping from our corporate careers. When we met, Claire and I were both running our own business. So we've got, what, 18 years entrepreneurial experience mm-hmm. between us now. So we'd been through that roller coaster ride already. And that whole hour long conversation was around what had that experience been like? What were the highs? What were the lows? And we ended that conversation saying, well, this is ridiculous. We live half a mile apart and yet we didn't know the other one was there. And how much easier would it have been if we'd have known that rather than high-fiving the cat, the dog or the <laughs> guinea pigs? We, we could have like got in touch with each other when things were going really well and, and when things were challenging and our resilience was low we could have been there to pick the other one up Mm -hmm. and 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 then we kind of said well how many other people are building their businesses at their kitchen tables between our houses and so it was that shared passion around this should be easier this shouldn't be as hard how do we bring people together how do we bring women together to build their own businesses our shared experience meant we had this shared passion around it shouldn't be this hard. There should be a way to build your business as a woman entrepreneur in the company of other brilliant women. We wanted to create that change. We share the fact that we're both pretty gritty and determined and we're not afraid to run at problems that are complex or hard or challenging. And we've both shared with each other since that as we walked away from that Cafe Nero we both just had this sort of feeling inside of something's about to happen. Mm. Like that wasn't a normal coffee shop chat. Like there was something more in that. And I think we still have that today. Oh God, yeah, for sure. So you've kind of started to explain who We Are Radical is, but finding women entrepreneurs in the area and the brilliance of bringing people together. But just really like to know, who are We Are Radical? I think actually we've had a few iterations of what we are and I think that that's really important. So as we've matured, as the business has matured, as we have worked now with hundreds and hundreds of women across the UK to support them, the business has grown up and evolved and I think that's for the sake of this podcast and and what we want to spend some time and attention thinking about and sharing is The description of what you might start with might not be the thing that your business evolves into. And that's okay, providing that's based on the insights that you gather, the needs of your customers, where you personally want to take and develop your business, what fuels you. And so guess where we started was? It was a quite locally focused community of women entrepreneurs and we provided a membership for those women to come and connect with each other and we would share insights and resources and courses. What that quickly evolved into was it's a nationwide movement of women entrepreneurs who collectively come together and share collective wisdom and insights. We bolster all of that up with really fucking incredible content mm-hmm. and know-how and courses and programs that shortcut the learning. It's a really kind of key design principle 
for us is that you shouldn't be sat there googling stuff to figure stuff out you should have a resource that you can go to where you can access information that doesn't have all the jargon in it that helps you get to answers quickly and where you can connect with other women who understand what it feels like to have that Wednesday low when a sales proposition that you put forward didn't come off and you don't know where the next line of revenue is going to come from. So it's now about a swell of women all across the UK, all with shared experiences And it isn't about Sarah and I being community leaders or designing amazing courses and programs, although those two things are true. This is a place for all of women to show up and all of those women play a role in helping and supporting each other. And that's really where the power is. That's where we get really excited about what this movement is starting to achieve. You ladies are very inspiring. We've only just got started. <laughs> the, be- the best leaders and businesses have, have figured out their why, their purpose, what drives them. So what's your why? I think it's, it's probably similar and different for us. I think for me, I don't want my kids to grow up in a world. So I have two boys. I don't want them to grow up in a world where they don't see women as equals where they are given preferential treatment quite honestly it's um they have won the ovarian lottery already Hmm. and that's great and I'm totally happy for them Uh, and also I want all of the other children that got born and maybe didn't strike so quite so high on that ovarian lottery when it comes to which postcode do you live in? What colour skin have you been born with? Do you identify with the gender that you've been born into? And anything else, everybody should have the same equal access and opportunity. And in the world of entrepreneurship, that can offer up so many opportunities. That can be such a lever for so many different things. It's only right that that should be equal and that should be fair. And I think that's a massive thing to go after and so the bit that that we're specifically targeting is how do women and people who identify as women access the same opportunities to grow in a business as their male counterparts and for me it's like that's the little slither that I can play in this lifetime. Thank you, thank you Claire. What about Sarah, what's your why? It's interesting because Claire has two sons, I have a daughter and I want for her that that there are more opportunities, there are more doors that are open that she doesn't have to push up against. Not just those visible doors that she might see, but actually those invisible barriers that exist that, you know, we've all experienced in one way or the other. Like, if we can move some of those invisible barriers out of the way, then it's really about potential. It's about everyone having equal access to opportunity and therefore to be able to fulfil their potential and for that not to be dampened by anyone or any process or any system along the way. Mm. Like, it's just not good enough. I think for Claire and I, we flip between, you know, we're in such a privileged position to work with the diverse number of women that we do across the UK and we hear so many stories and I think we flip between rage and anger at just how unfairly people have been treated and then complete heartbreak 
complete heartbreak that people have been told that you can't and you won't and you're less than just because of their gender or their gender and the colour of their skin. Like, it's such a deep emotional pull to, we need to do something about this. Mm. Like, this isn't acceptable. We need to spend our time trying to do what we can to make this situation better. So I understand, you know, your why, what, what you, you know, what, what you want to achieve, what you want for your children. So what are you going to do with We Are Radical? How are you going to make this happen? Right. So Claire kind of talked about this process of, I guess, evolution that we've been through, really. And, and one of our mantras and all of the brilliant entrepreneurs in our community that we work with, I think we're famed for our mantras. And one of them yeah. is Tesla and repeat. And I guess where we are today is that We Are Radical is a startup accelerator and investment movement. It's grown beyond being a business. It's about creating radical change in the world. What does that really mean? So there are three key pillars or key themes that we focus all of our energy towards. So firstly, we want to see a world where there are more women entrepreneurs, more women successfully starting, sustaining and growing their own businesses. Secondly, we want to see more women investors and we'd love to see an increase in the average amount that those women investors make. So in the UK, the average amount is £15,000. We love asking ourselves what if questions. And so what if that average was £25,000 or £30,000? What impact might that have? And then the third area that we focus on is around challenging the existing ecosystem what visible and invisible barriers exist within the current ecosystem, within current processes and systems that have been designed to support entrepreneurs. But the reality is they support a certain group of entrepreneurs. And so we look at that ecosystem and we kind of get a bit pokey and we say, well, what exists within this ecosystem that needs to change that would fuel the first two points? So would fuel the number of women entrepreneurs in the UK and the number of women investors. So one of the campaigns that you're currently working on right now, I think it's hashtag over being underfunded for SCIS. Maybe explain that to us. So a lot of our business has come from our own experience. And then we go out and we, we work with our community. We look at all of the research. And for us, the Over Being Underfunded campaign is exactly that. So earlier this year, Claire and I closed our first investment round. We closed that investment round using a government-backed scheme called the Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme. It's a brilliant scheme set up in 2012. It provides investors with tax incentives to invest in early stage businesses. Over a billion pounds has been invested using that scheme since it was set up. But our experience of going through our first investment round was that we did it on the back of a pandemic. We did it whilst we were homeschooling. The research is clear. Women were disproportionately impacted in the world of work and at home as a result of the pandemic. But we were able to close our first investment round in nine weeks from start to finish. And we hit our SEIS deadline with 48 hours to spare. Because one of the key things with the Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme is that you have to secure your investment round within two years of your first trading date. 
So we closed that investment round in January. We were then spending some time reflecting on that experience. And we happened to be asked, and I guess it comes back to this serendipity thing again. We happened to be asked, oh, if you were to hold a lobbying position, what would your lobbying position be? And I I can still remember phoning Claire and saying, (laughs) babe, (laughs) we need to have a chat about our lobbying position. Yeah, (laughs) Let's kick that around. And again, really quickly, we just got to, actually, why is that deadline two years? The impact of that deadline being two years for women who are entrepreneurs, who are also juggling care responsibilities, is that it's really hard to hit that two-year deadline. Not because... I'm any less of an entrepreneur, not because I am more risk adverse, not because I can't get my business model ready, but just because I have less hours in the day available to me to work on my business. So we said, what if the deadline wasn't two years? What if it was three years? What might that look like? And that led into, and okay, if it was three years, what if we had the data that showed us how many women entrepreneurs and how many women investors are accessing the seed enterprise investment scheme. And then if it was three years, what would you do in that three-year period to support women entrepreneurs to think about funding early on in their entrepreneurial career? And before we knew it, we had a campaign. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It sounds so simple, doesn't it? It was so linear. <laughs> exactly. There were no hairy moments. There were or... no hairy moments or a sudden, oh shit, we're actually, <laughs> this is a campaign. We are lobbying the government. <laughs> right. 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 Okay. That wasn't on our to-do list. That wasn't was it? on the 2021 to-do list. But actually, I think it's exactly the right conversation to have I think the momentum that it's gathered so quickly is because so many entrepreneurs women entrepreneurs we have so many conversations now with women entrepreneurs who have an SEIS deadline type story Mm. or here's my experience of that process or that system or here's my experience of trying to secure investors or I didn't even know that this was a thing that could fuel me like what are you even talking about And the fact that it's prompting those conversations, I think, is telling of it's timely. It's Mm. the right time to start to have conversations about how do you fuel the growth of more women entrepreneurs in the UK? Yeah, brilliant. And so what's happening with that campaign? I know you're making lots of noise. I've seen lots of social, but are we are we making waves? Is it happening? Absolutely. It's kind of Claire and I have spoken before about sometimes when you're trying to create radical change, it can feel as though you're hollering into a cave. And like the only voices that you hear are your own. Yeah, the echo back. (laughs) Right, right. And I think one of the things that has been, you know, scary, but also liberating about this moment is that it's caused us to go out into the world and to say, hey, look, there's this thing and it's an invisible barrier But do you want to help us, world? Do you want to get on board and try and help us to influence the government? Our community have stood up and said, hell yeah, like we're with you. And not only we're with you, but this is our campaign. This is our movement. You know, we've had people in the press approach us. We've had 
organisations like the Federation of Small Business. We've had CEDARS say, yeah, no, we see you, we hear you, and we're going to stand with you. And it's been kind of overwhelming in a way. I think when you've spent two and a half years head down building a business, and then you put that business out into the world, it's kind of overwhelming that people say, yeah, no, I get it, and let me run with this. So we've had to learn to kind of let that go a bit and to and to let people take it and shape it and be noisy with it, which yeah. is just incredible. Yeah. What lessons um, have you both learned, do you think? I think, I think that, I mean, there's probably loads, but a couple of things that jump out for me. In the world of business, you hear a lot about network and the power of network. Networking... Some people love it. A lot of people, it kind of has all sorts of negative connotations around it. For us, it's about the power of community. When the pandemic hit back in March, we had just rebranded. We were preparing to sign a partnership. We were preparing to open up our community because Mm -hmm. we'd been testing with a closed community until that stage. And suddenly, all of that needed to just stop because actually what we needed to do was to be in the company of our community. And it was crisis management. People were saying, I've got to pivot my business. I've lost contracts. I'm homeschooling, like I don't have time. A few weeks in, I'm utterly exhausted because I'm homeschooling and I'm still trying to keep my business afloat. And the power, it makes me feel quite emotional thinking back to it, but the power that existed within that community of those entrepreneurs coming together and saying, like, I see you and I understand what you're describing and let's figure it out together. It was tangible, wasn't it? You could could feel, you couldn't just see the words that were being written in that community space or the words that were being shared when we were doing live webinars. You could feel this energy of we're in this together and we'll figure it out and we'll figure it out because we're in this together. So I think just that, a real learning around just how important community is. I think also the power of, we talk about it as knowing what your North Star is. What's the big, hairy, audacious goal or vision for your business? And for Claire and I, throughout the pandemic, we just kept coming back to, why do we exist? Why are we here? The plan that we had has gone out of the window Let's make a new plan, but let's make sure that plan gets us closer to supporting women to start, sustain and grow their own businesses. Mm. Like it always came back to that. Yeah. Sarah, I think also I read something that you wrote, which made me think, God, that's what I've been doing the whole time, which is you say yes and then you figure out how to do it. Right. Yeah, Yeah. totally. The number of times Claire and I will get off a call or, or we'll have a conversation and say, I think that's the next thing. And then we'll look at each other and kind of go, oh, crap, right, Right. okay, (laughs) how are we going to make that happen? happen? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I think that's what being an entrepreneur is all about, right? And I think it's such an important topic of conversation because more often than not, we know that women will over-prepare and they will delay their leap into entrepreneurship or they will over-prepare and delay the launch of their business, whatever that launch might look like. And actually that striving for perfection and like it's all got to be right and I've got to be fully ready. It's like, no, actually, you've just got to start Mm. 
and you've got to know that you're going to get some things right and you're going to get some things wrong and as long as you can learn from all of those experiences and you've just got to embrace it all that's part of the process of growing and learning how to be an effective entrepreneur and I think that's one of the there's a balancing act to do when you're growing a business between having some foundations in place. So knowing what you're heading towards, mm. knowing what your success criteria look like. Mm. So you could build a £5 million turnover business, but if you're working all hours and you're miserable and you're just crying at a laptop all day, perhaps mm. that isn't the right business to build for you. So there's all sorts of different versions of what a successful business might look like. Mm. We teach through various programs and courses. We teach the Radical Business Plan, which looks like no other business plan <laughs> anybody will have ever seen because it is a dynamic, really quite beautiful, but like living, breathing part of your business that matures and evolves and becomes an exciting point to anchor back to and go, mm. okay, well, if I do this thing, how can I test that against these two or three criteria that I know are really important to me? Mm. And that helps inform those next decisions while still providing the flexibility and the fluidity that mm. needs to be built into your business because otherwise you're so blinkered that you miss the opportunities. And right. because they're not written down, it's kind of, that's not what I said I was going to do this year. And it's just like, well, we've done a whole bunch of stuff this year that we, we had <laughs> no idea was going to come our way. But we would have missed out on all of that opportunity mm. if we hadn't have said yes first. And then I could back and go, actually, does this still get us closer to our yeah. old star? Does that still yeah, ring yeah. true? Does it still feed the business? And once you can use that method of being flexible and having some foundations in place, it makes for actually quite a powerful combination. It's quite a powerful accelerator for your business. Right. And that's really important, isn't it? Because equally, what you have to avoid is a sort of scattergun. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like, well, I'm doing this today and that next week and, and the week after my business looks like this and, oh, well, that opportunity's come up and, well, let me go after that because it's revenue. There's something about that. What's your North Star? What's the vision? Mm. What does your business plan look like? Even on day one, what are the hypotheses that you're going to go and test? What are your assumptions about who your customers are? It's that sort of framework that guides you, but still allows for those excited, exhilarating, really bloody scary, serendipitous moments. <laughs> like, <laughs> would you like to lobby the government? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, sure. Um. <laughs> I really resonate with that. And I think you might start a business in, in one place, but actually it's good to evolve and it's good to iterate and it's good to keep things open because actually that's when you can see the opportunity mm. well when, when you won't miss the opportunity yeah. because you're not so rigid yeah mm. yeah it's that it's that kind of line drawing isn't it of I know for me when when I was sort of in my teenage years I had this idea of I was a bit of a nerd and I was like well I'll, I'll do my GCSEs I'll do my levels I'll go to uni I'll then work in business it was like well I'm at a there's B let's draw a straight line between the two and life just isn't like that. No. You know, the lines are squiggly. We can end up thinking we're heading for point B, but actually it's point W that we really are going to end up at. And point W is going to be beautiful and amazing and exactly where we should be. 
I don't think there is a linear path. And I think the suggestion that there is, and, you know, we often talk about the success stories of overnight, you know, multi-million pound businesses and, and looking very glamorous and isn't it all brilliant? And it's like, God, no, the effort and the energy and the <laughs> reroutes and diversions that you have to experience along the way. Like, that's what we need to be talking about. And that, that for us really is why we wanted to have a podcast so that we could share those stories and and help people to realize that if you're experiencing those dips and those hurdles and those barriers and and you're a bit knackered frankly that's okay that's exactly what this journey is about um you'll get there if you keep learning you'll get there mm. what what do, what do you want to achieve with the radicalist So the reason for the podcast is that we have the absolute honour of spending most of our time in the company of women who are, you know, naught to three years into their businesses. The stories that they have to tell are so inspiring. The, The businesses that they have their eyes set on building are so inspiring. They fuel us every day. They are the things that keep us focused and motivated because if those women can exist to grow the businesses that they are describing then the world is going to be a really Mm. beautiful thriving generous place for us all to be but it's those stories you don't often hear about those are the stories that are quite private because women are so often unseen at this stage in their businesses and we only hear about the stories of the women who are already the multimillionaires or the billionaires and those stories are amazing but they're so far out of reach for most women who are starting their businesses. And in 2020, the rate of entrepreneurship in women absolutely soared. So it went from one in eight to one in four or one in five, depending on which report you read. That means that there are way more women now in the early stages of building their businesses. Mm. And so the point of this podcast is to really shine the light on the women that we've been lucky enough to connect with over the last two and a half years and that are are now broadening our reach and connecting with outside of the community as well to spotlight those stories because the more we can hear about what does it look like to start a business in those like naught to five years the more it's going to provide inspiration and know-how and connection for the women who are in that stage right now who are figuring stuff out, who have all of the self-doubt, who have got all of the confidence gremlins going on, but also are fueled by big, bold, beautiful, audacious business ideas that honestly will all benefit from if they can exist in the world. So that's the reason why we decided to launch The Radicalist, even in the midst of a pandemic. I have a feeling that by the time people are listening to this, hashtag over being underfunded will already be a success but I think the whole premise of it sign up support share get involved Mm. join up and join in will be always present with any other things that you ladies go on to do and to achieve so I think that's the message here is join up and join in I like that yeah Yeah. have that join up join in you can have it (laughs) no no ideas a new idea (laughs) oh it's been such a wonderful conversation Claire and Sarah thank you so much thank you Gemma (laughs) 
Thanks again to Gemma for guiding us through the first episode of the podcast. As you can probably tell, we love talking to her. Next week, and for the rest of the series, we'll be in the interviewing seat, where we'll be joined by our guest, Laura Johnson, co-founder of Zebedee, a global talent agency for disabled and visibly different models, actors and influencers. So for more know-how and inspiration on how to start, sustain and scale your business, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode.